Good evening, welcome to the program. Welcome to the Third Eye on RBM 89.1. Tonight, we're going to take a little dive into the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Welcome to the show. From here and further afield. So that's coming up shortly, Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Osiris. Sit back, grab a cup of tea. Sunday night. Relax. Enjoy.
Welcome back to the show. Listening to the Third Eye on this beautiful Sunday evening. Tonight, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Israel Vigardi, McGregor Mathis, Pixie, and some other interesting characters have sort of appeared here. So let's, without any further ado, let's get into it. The Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Some of this may be um, sourced from my own research and Wikipedia, Israel Regardi's book, which uh, is reads like War and Peace. It's a very, very serious volume of work. Okay. The Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, or more commonly, the Golden Dawn, not to be confused with the Greek political party, the Golden Dawn, was a secret society devoted to the study and practice of the occult, metaphysics and paranormal activities during the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Known as a magical order, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn was active in Great Britain and focused its practices on theurgy and spiritual development. Many present-day concepts of ritual and magic that are at the centre of contemporary traditions such as Wicca and Thelema were inspired by the Golden Dawn, which became one of the largest single influences on 20th century Western occultism. The three founders, William Robert Woodman, William Wynne Westcott and Samuel Liddell Mathers, were Freemasons. Westcott appears to have been the initial driving force behind the establishment of the Golden Dawn. The Golden Dawn system was based on hierarchy and initiation, similar to Masonic lodges. However, women were admitted on an equal basis with men. The Golden Dawn was the first of three orders, although all three are often collectively referred to as the Golden Dawn. The First Order taught esoteric philosophy based on the Hermetic Kabbalah or Kabbalah and personal development through study and awareness of the four classical elements as well as the basic basics of astrology, tarot divination and geomancy. The Second or Inner Order taught magic including scrying, astral travel and alchemy. The third order was that of the secret chiefs, who were said to be highly skilled. They supposedly directed the activities of the lower two orders by spirit communication with the chiefs of the second order. The Cipher Manuscripts the foundational documents of the original Order of the Golden Dawn, known as the Cipher Manuscripts, are written in English using the Trithemius Cipher, or Trithemius, hopefully I'm saying that correctly. The manuscripts, manuscripts give the specific outlines of the grade rituals of the Order and prescribe a curriculum of graduated teachings that encompass the Hermetic Kabbalah, astrology, occult tarot, geomancy, and alchemy. According to the records of the order, 
the manuscripts passed from Kenneth Mackenzie, a Masonic scholar, to the Reverend A.F.A. Woodford, whom British occult writer Francis King describes as the fourth founder, although Woodford died shortly after the order was founded. Westcott, pleased with his discovery, called on fellow Freemason Samuel Liddell McGregor Mathers for a second opinion. Westcott asked for Mathers' help to turn the manuscripts into a coherent system for lodge work. Mathers, in turn, asked fellow Freemason William Robert Woodman to assist the two and he accepted. Mathers and Westcott have been credited with developing the ritual outlines in the cipher manuscripts into a workable format. Mathers, however, is generally credited with the design of the curriculum and rituals of the Second Order, which he called the Ruby Rose and Golden Cross. The Founding of the First Temple In October 1887, Westcott claimed to have written to a German countess and prominent Rosicrucian named Anna Sprengel, whose address was said to have been found in the decoded cipher manuscripts. According to Westcott, Sprengel claimed the ability to contain certain supernatural entities the ability to contact certain supernatural entities known as the secret chiefs that were considered the authorities over any magical order or esoteric organization. Westcott purportedly received a reply from Sprengel granting permission to establish a Golden Dawn Temple and conferring honorary grades of Adeptus Exemptus on Westcott, Mathers and Woodman. The temple was to consist of the five grades outlined in the manuscripts. In 1888, the Isis Urania Temple was founded in London. In contrast to the SRIA and Masonry, women were allowed and welcomed to participate in the order in perfect equality with men. The order was more of a philosophical and metaphysical teaching order in its early years. Other than certain rituals and meditations found in the cipher manuscripts and developed further, magical practices were generally not taught at the first temple. For the first four years, the Golden Dawn was one cohesive group, later known as the First Order or Outer Order. A second order or inner order was established and became active in 1892. The second order consisted of members known as adepts who had completed the entire course of study for the first order. The second order was formally established under the name Ordo Rose Rubei et Ore Crucis, translated as the Order of the Red Rose and the Golden Cross. Eventually, the Osiris Temple in Western Supermare, the Horus Temple in Bradford, both in 1888, and the Amen Ra Temple in Edinburgh in 1893 were founded. In 1893, Mathis found the Aethor Temple in Paris. Let's go to a song now. I have found, I, during the week, I fell in love with this piece of music, and uh, it's called...
Indian Indian Princess by Derek Fletcher and Brandon Fletcher. Enjoy. Welcome back to the program. I think we got up to a thing about who are these secret chiefs. Okay, so in 1890, Westcott's alleged correspondence with Anna Sprengel suddenly ceased. He claimed to have received word from Germany 
that she was dead and that her companions did not approve of the founding of the order and no further contact was to be made. If the founders were to contact the secret chiefs, apparently, it had to be done on their own. In 1892, Mathers professed that a link to the secret chiefs had been established. Subsequently, he, applied, he supplied rituals for the second order. The rituals were based on the tradition of the tomb of Christian Rosenkreutz. Uh, if you think uh, Rosicrucians, and we'll come to that in another program. And a vault of adepts became the controlling force, force behind the outer order. Later in 1916, Westcott claimed that Mathers also constructed these rituals from materials he received from Freighter Lux Ex Tenebri, a purported, purported continental adept. The word freighter is often used within these orders um, as they're sort of like brothers and sisters and things like that. So um, it's worthwhile sort of uh, knowing some of these little, little terms uh, people use. So uh, some followers of the Golden Dawn tradition believe that the secret chiefs were not human or supernatural beings, but rather symbolic representations of actual or legendary sources of spiritual esotericism. The term came to stand for a great leader or a teacher of a spiritual path or practice that found its way into the teachings of the order. The Golden Age. By the mid-1890s, the Golden Dawn was well established in Great Britain, with over 100 members from every class of Victorian society. Many celebrities belonged to the Golden Dawn, such as actress Florence Farr, the Irish revolutionary Maud Gonet, the Irish poet William Butler Yeats, the Welsh author Arthur Macken, and the English authors Evelyn Underhill and Alistair Crowley. In 1896 or 1897, Westcott broke all ties to the Golden Dawn, leaving Mathers in control. It has been speculated that his departure was due to his having lost a number of occult-related papers in a hansom cab, the 19th century version of a taxi. Apparently, when the papers were found, Westcott's connection to the Golden Dawn was discovered and brought to the attention of his employers. He may have been told to either resign from the order or to give up his occupation as coroner. After Westcott's departure, Mathers appointed Florence Farr to be chief adept in Anglia. Dr. Henry B. Pullenbury succeeded Westcott as Cancellarius, one of the three chiefs of the order. Mathers was the only active founding member after Westcott's departure. Due to personality clashes with other members, and frequent absences from the centre of lodge activity in Great Britain, however, challenges to Mathers' authority as leader developed among the members of the Second Order. So, revolt. Toward the end of 1899, right 
of the turn of the 20th century. The adepts of the Isis Urania and Amun-Ra temples had become dissatisfied with Martha's leadership, as well as his growing friendship with Alistair Crowley. They had also become anxious to make contact with the secret chiefs themselves, instead of relying on Mathers as an intermediary. Within the Isis Urania temple, disputes were arising between Fars, the Sphere, a secret society within Isis Urania, and the rest of the Adepti Minoris. Crowley was refused initiation into the Adeptus Minor Grade by the London officials. Mathers overrode their decision and quickly initiated him at the Aethor Temple in Paris on January 16, 1900. Upon his return to the London Temple, Crowley requested that Miss Cracknell, the acting secretary, the papers acknowledging his grade, to which he was now entitled. To the London adepts, this was the final straw. Far, already of the opinion that the London Temple should be closed, wrote to Mathers expressing her wish to resign as his representative, although she was willing to carry on until a successor was found. Mathers believed Westcott was behind this turn of events and replied on February 16. On March the 3rd, a committee of seven adepts was elected in London and requested a full investigation of the matter. Mathers sent an immediate reply, declining to provide proof, refusing to acknowledge the London Temple and dismissing Farr as his representative on March 23rd. In response, a general meeting was called on March the 29th in London to remove Mathers as chief and expel him from the order. Splinters. In 1901, W.B. Yeats, the famous poet, privately published a pamphlet titled Is the Order to Remain a Magical Order? After the Isis Urania Temple claimed its independence, there were even more disputes, leading to Yeats resigning. A committee of three was temporarily to temporarily govern, which included P. W. Bullock, M. W. Blackton, and J. W. Brodie Innes. After a short time, Bullock resigned and Dr. Robert Falcon took his place. In 1903, Arthur Edward Waite, remember that name, because he was the one who commissioned the 1909 paintings of the modern tarot. White and Blackton joined forces to retain the name Isis Urania, while Falcon and other London members formed Stella Matutina. Yates remained in the Stella Matutina until 1921, when Brodie Innes continued as Armin Ra membership in Edinburgh. Alrighty, this is pretty heavy history, but at the same time, you'd think sort of like a these religious orders around the world would sort of get along. But when it's, it's, 
it's it's similar, isn't it, to some of the old philosophies like Marx's Communist Manifesto and Anne Rand's work. A lot of it, a lot of it is, is uh, fantastic um, in theory, but as soon as you add human nature and humans into it, it's like uh, instant problems, isn't it? We've only got ourselves to blame. <laughs> Alrighty, let's go to a couple of songs. So I'm going to go back to. Um, some of the Indian music and Hindi music. And this one is called Vaisnava Bhajan, Vavishwa Mohan Bhat, and Sukhvinda Singh Namdari. It's from the album Saradamani and was released in 2018. Enjoy.
That was Bageshwari by Hari Prasad Charosia. Wow, some amazing tabla and flute playing there, don't you think? Alrighty, let's get back to our hermetic order of the Golden Dawn. Now, after around the turn of the century, of last century, um, Arthur Edward Waite had uh, commissioned Pamela Coleman-Smith, both who were members of the Golden Dawn, to paint what is known as the Rider Waite deck. Since the 1492 deck, the Solar Busca, most, if not all, of the decks um, didn't have illustrated pip cards or lower arcana, like the basic four suits. Like if you had the four of diamonds, which would be the four of coins, um, it would just have four symbols of coins on there. It wouldn't actually have a, a, a really descriptive picture like Pamela and Arthur Edward Waite were able to infuse into their tarot of 1909. So it's well worth checking out. Uh, probably one of the most um, recommended of those is the 
redigitized, uh, so it's not really pixelated and blocky, uh, which is their Radiant um, deck. If you would like to check that out, I think it's about 20, 30 bucks on Amazon or your favorite bookshop, bookstore or occult or hippie shop. Okay. Um, the contemporary Golden Dawn orders uh, did go into a bit of a splintering and no, no temples in the original charted lineage of the Golden Dawn did survive past the 1970s. So if you do see some people online impersonating and saying they are the, the uh, direct line of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, please just uh, check their validity. All right, so several organizations have since revived the teachings and rituals, and um, I'll let you check those out yourself. If you feel, um, if you would like uh, some personal um, pointers on maybe where to check out, uh, please feel free to email me, the third eye at gmail.com or the third eye show at gmail.com, and I'll be able to furnish you with some details. But I don't want to show any sort of um, bias for or against any of these. Um, towards or, or against any religious organization, actually. Um, especially on radio, because we want to keep an open mind here and look into things and check it out. Scratch the surface and see what we find. Alrighty, Now, um, let's have a quick look back to um, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn had some structure and grades. And we can see that many of them, of the rituals themselves, um, I, I found comparing them to um, some of the Freemason rituals. The, uh, the book by Israel Regardi that I mentioned at the beginning of, at the top of the program called The Golden Dawn is uh, well worth, uh, it's a heavy read, it's a big read, um, but if you're interested, it's well worth it. And it'll take you through uh, things like what's involved with the rituals. Say for the First Order is through the uh, introduction of Neophyte through to Zelator, through to Theoricus, to Practicus, to Philosophus, to Intermediate Portal Grade. And then we have the Second Order, which is Adeptus Minor to Adeptus Major, then Adeptus Exemptus, the Third Order, Magister Templi, Magus, and Ipsissimus. Alrighty. The grades are attached to numbers, which are like 0 equals 0 or 9 equals 2. To sort of explain that, one should do a little dive into Rigardi's book and also have an understanding of ancient Greek mysticism, Kabbalah or Kabbalah. Alrighty. The order grades are also related to the four elements um, as discussed by Socrates and Plato about 635 BC. I think it was on a Tuesday, maybe just before tea. No, 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 no. But it was around 600 BC that uh, the four elements were uh, documented and argued about the earth, air, water and fire respectively. Okay, so that's a little um, introduction on 
the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Just as a little tip, if anybody would like further information and to dive in and maybe do a um, uh, an inexpensive course that gives you some real stuff you can get your teeth into, um, is maybe check out the Crucible Club. I'll leave it at that. Alrighty, I wanted to um, just switch gears now away from the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. We'll come back to that later on in another episode because it's a massive topic of this synthesis of ancient Egyptian and Greek religion uh, together with um, Jewish Kabbalah and, and other things. Is uh, I wanted to um, play you a tune that... When I was down in the southeast of Spain, there was a particular substyle of flamenco music, which is called tarantas. And one of the beautiful things about this style is uh, some, sometimes it's arrhythmic, meaning it doesn't necessarily have to follow a particular rhythm, certain parts of it. And some of it is derived back via the Moors and the Indian invaders. Um, from the last 2,000 years who crossed through to Spain and they brought with them their music and their religion and their prayer. And with Tarantas, there was a beautiful concept that I learned when I was over there of being, playing a phrase and then waiting for the universe to respond. Now, there is also a dark, mysterious part of flamenco called duende which we'll discuss maybe a little bit more after this. But what I'd like to do, this is a, an interpretation of Tarantas by Nino Recaro and Paca Peña.
so waiting for the universe to respond. Estarantas by Nino Ricardo and Paco Peña. There's another slight variation on the style of flamenco, which is um, poleria, por solea, uh, which is almost like a translation of um, solitude, which is... Um, Coming back to the concept of uh, duende, the poet Federico Garcia Lorca romanticized duende, saying, duende could only be present when one sensed that death is possible. Many will say that duende can only be experienced in certain surroundings like an intimate flamenco session where a singer will be possessed by the dark tones of the song and the spirit will enter the mind and soul of anyone who opens up to it. Duende, a strange presence that everybody senses, but no philosopher can explain, or 
all that has dark sounds has duende. Whatever you believe, duende does exist. And to experience it, it is one of the wonders of the mystical art of flamenco. If you would like to hear some live flamenco, I will be playing some at the Family Hotel this coming Wednesday. I'll probably play some uh, Tarantas and Solea. That's from 7 o'clock onwards at the Family Hotel in Park Street, Katoomba. If you'd like to join us on Wednesday night. Now, many believe flamenco to be the invent is the invention of gypsies. And although they have been main protagonists of the art, they are certainly not its sole creators. Flamenco song can be broken down into two categories. Cante Gitano, or gypsy songs, and Cante Andalus, which is Andalusian songs from the region of Andalusia. When the gypsies arrived in Andalusia from India around 1425, they brought with them many song and dance styles that have strong Indian connections. At this time, Andalusia was still under Arab rule, from the invasion of the Moors in the 6th and 7th century. And along with the Jews and the Moors, the gypsies were soon persecuted by the Catholic monarchs and the Inquisition when that came through. Nobody expected a Spanish Inquisition. Alrighty. The Moors were forced to convert to Christianity and failure to do so resulted in expulsion from Spain. The Jews suffered a similar fate and the gypsies were subjected, subject to some of the worst atrocities in an attempt to exterminate them as a race. Many laws were passed by various monarchs which forbid them to do, have anything to do with their identity. They were to stop wearing their style of dress, to cease speaking Romani, their language, and to stop their wanderings and seek steady employment which prohibited them from obtaining money from the usual gypsy traits like horse-dealing, trading at fairs, and sorcery. These laws and restrictions resulted in bands of gypsies, Moors and Jewish Jews, taking refuge in treacherous mountain areas that were too desolate for the authorities to pursue them. These different cultures lived in relative harmony for many years, and the fusion of their music and dances are what we know today as flamenco. Nobody really knows when the guitar joined in the dance because flamenco as a style originally was a wailing with a banging of a stick on the floor in a rhythmic pattern. But what I'd like to share with you now is um, probably, I think, the greatest flamenco guitarist of all time the late, great Paco de Lucia. And this is a piece called Antonia, Puleria por Solea. Enjoy. Thank you. 
quisiera ser torero para brindarte y a ti la luna y un torero de terciopelo. Ay, no te pongas a pensar en lo que nos ha pasado y si a la gente le pesa que nos quiten lo bailado. Great, late, great Paco de Lucia D'Antonia Solea de Boreares. All right, here's Daydream by Luis Villegas.
Daydream by Louis Villegas. Next up we have Ere Remaster, which is an interpretation of Boleria by Jose Mercy. It's currently 7.5 degrees in Katoomba tonight, below 3, tomorrow 17 degrees. Traffic conditions, normal stuff. And smoke from major, major uh, burn offs. Just take care out there. canción que salía de un coche y una cura no sé como el parazú en la calle de las tres esquinas cantaba el Sabina y esa de Jesús le recordaría mientras paseaba que no tiene la playa lo que lo que ayer tenía lo que graba y tu la arena y el corazoncito de la mapalena
Amen Essea by Pepe Habichuela. You listen to the third eye. RBM 89.9, 89.1 FM, the radio show of the Blue Mountains. Thanks for joining us tonight.
Next up we got Santa. Justa Rafina with Soriada Di Triana by Antonio Marina. Que tú a mí me cambiaste tanto, 
yo el dinero mil veces porque aquel que está queriendo voy a estar el dinero lo with Volva.
miedo del encuentro Con el pasado que vuelve A enfrentarse con mi vida Tengo miedo de la noche Que poblada de recuerdo Encadena mi soñar Pero el viajero que huye Tarde o temprano detiene su andar Y aunque lo olvido Que todo lo destruye Haya matado mi vieja ilusión Guardo escondida y una esperanza humilde Que es toda la fortuna de mi corazón Volver Con la frente marchita La nieve del tiempo Platearon mis pies Sentir Que es un soplo la vida Que veinte años no es nada Que febril la mirada Y errante en la sombra Te busca y te nombra Aferrada a un dulce recuerdo que lloro otra vez. And finishing up, we got Fandangos de Enrique El Amendro, traditional by La Pacara Tallares and Manolo San Luca from the album Legends of Gypsy Flamenco. Thanks for joining us tonight on The Third Eye. I'm your host, Elliot Reynolds, and I hope you have a wonderful week. This one will take us out. Take care out there.
Well, that's us, the third eye. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. I look forward to seeing you same time, same channel next week. Ciao for now. I'll switch you across to Seth Jordan, CRN, live from Bellingen, at the Tiki Lounge.